Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. The First Minister of Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon, is to step down after eight years in power, citing the emotional trauma of being so brutally ignored by Liz Truss for roughly one sixty-fifth of her tenure. Following rampant speculation over the Nicola Bully case on social media, swarms of armchair TikTok detectives emerged to face their greatest challenge yet, putting their phones down and going in search of a life of their own. Rishi Sunak says there is still plenty of work to do on a potential solution to the Northern Ireland Protocol, as his government finally looks forward to feeding the country the poisonous rewards of an oven-ready deal that's now four years out of date. And finally, Keir Starmer says his party will block Jeremy Corbyn from standing as a Labour candidate in the next election, as it turns out that all you need to stop momentum is a suitably authoritarian roadblock. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to the thoroughly titillating but somehow still classy debut of season 10 of IC News. This is burlesque, not lap dancing, and that's right, 10 whole seasons of podcast goodness. I haven't had a social life for years now, but what does that matter when there's a sexy cable news show to put out just for you, the desperately thirsty British public? Here at the network, we'll be slowly pulling the stockings of falsehood off the thighs of the news, all for your amusement, before then tearing off the bustier of misinformation and releasing the pendulous swinging tits of truth. Don't you worry, though. The dignity of the news will still be protected by the sturdy nipple tassels of unimpeachable journalistic ethics. As always, a lot has happened in the two weeks we've been away, much of it notable for just how terribly unfunny it all is. From the devastating earthquake in Turkey and Syria that's now claimed over 40,000 lives, to the needless misogyny of the police releasing unnecessary and private details of Nicola Bully's personal struggles following her tragic disappearance, to the appalling murder of an innocent trans girl in the midst of a grotesquely toxic culture war that's constantly demonising people like her, things have been... grim. So you may have to forgive me if, just like the Prime Minister, I desperately try to reshuffle the news cycle with an embarrassing diversion instead, in the shape of the new Tory deputy chair, Lee Anderson. The man, not so affectionately known as 30p Lee, has made a real name for himself since becoming an MP four years ago, and that name generally has four letters and rhymes with punt. He's an absolute magnet for controversy, and his ascendancy is clearly a desperate attempt by Rishi Sunak to placate the growing discontent among the Red Wall intake of Conservative MPs. A Red Wall that, if current Tory polling is anything to go by, right now has less structural integrity than any high-rise built in Turkey in the last 20 years. 
Thankfully, the MP for Ashfield and new Deputy Chair of the Conservative Party has never shied away from a difficult conversation with the press, and he joins us here today to try and... That's right, I'm here. I'm up for a fight, and I won't be cancelled. So go on, land one on me. Do your best. You think you're hard, dear? I'll knock you senseless. Don't think I won't. Think you're a big man, dear? Don't you know who I am? Are you Ronnie Pickering? Oh, you think you're smart, dear? You're a champagne socialist, mate. A shirker. A dodger. A skiver. A mucky little reprobate. I'm Lee Anderson, the voice of the silent majority. I'm loud, I'm proud, and now I'm allowed. Allowed to say whatever I bloody well want. And don't think I won't, because I will. OK, let's just take it down a notch, shall we? I haven't even asked you a question yet. Oh, and that's your job, is it? To ask questions? You think you got the right to ask questions of me, dear? Well, you're an elected official and I'm a journalist, so... Yes, that's kind of how this works. Oh, so you think you know how it works, dear? Sorry, how do you think it works? Well, this isn't about me, is it? Yes, it is. That's that's what an interview is. And do you think you're clever, dear? You think sitting there in your poncy chair asking questions is a proper job? Is that it? Do you answer every question with a question? I don't know. Do I? Jesus Christ, you do get that scrutiny of an elected official is part of the job, right? If you're this angry about just being questioned... I'm not angry. I'm winding up the loony left. They certainly don't annoy me. I'm not annoyed. I'm not annoyed. You're clearly annoyed. Almost all of the time, in fact. Or constipated. It's hard to tell. What makes you think I'm constipated? I don't know. The shade of red you've gone, maybe? Or the fact you're clearly full of shit? This is just typical of y'all in the metropolitan elite. You see a proper down-to-earth working-class lad and you tear them down. It's the Warp Brigade's modern Marxism in action. That's one argument, but have you considered the possibility that people are actually tearing you down because you're a proven liar and con artist, rather than because of your roots? Oh, I'm a liar now, am I? All right, let's turn this around. Have you ever told a lie? Well, what's that got to do with the question of your integrity as an elected official? Don't deflect. I'm asking you a question. I know where this is going, and I want to have an honest debate. So tell me, have you ever told a lie? Sorry, you're telling me to not deflect. It's an easy enough question. Have you ever told a lie? Yes, but what I haven't done is arrange a fake door knock with a mate during a televised news report in order to fraudulently paint myself in a positive light during an election campaign. So we agree that you're a liar? Just going to gloss over that other bit I said, are we? Well, it doesn't matter what the other bit was, because you're a liar. Oh, good. So you agree that being a proven and documented liar renders a person untrustworthy and devalues everything else they might have to say? I didn't say that. There you go, lying again. We should bring back the death penalty for people like you. Nobody's ever told a lie after being hanged. Nobody's ever been around to accept a pardon after being hanged either. There you go again, with your smug, patronising lefty tone. Makes you feel clever, does it? Actually, this conversation is making me feel stupider by the second. Also, I've just googled Ashfield and it's not even in Yorkshire. Let me ask you this then. Have you ever had mates who openly support the Nazis down at the Scooter Club? What? You heard me. It's a simple question. No. In fact, I've never had any white supremacist mates. There you go. Lying again. Everyone's got white supremacist mates who openly support the Nazis down at the Scooter Club. Let me ask you this then. Have you ever libelled the manager of a food bank by claiming they took bribes in brown paper envelopes? This is a lot of projection, Lee. Just answer the question, please. No, I haven't. Liar! Everyone's done that. Everyone. I really don't think they have. Liar! You're lying again! You're a liar!
let me ask you this. Have you ever got so angry at the threat of being exposed as a total fraud that you accidentally shat yourself in the middle of a media interview? No. Right. You're a liar. I can feel it running down your legs. Well, look here. Don't use any of this. You're not allowed. If you do, I'll never do any interviews with you ever again. Do you hear me? I think we might have got everything we need, actually. Good. It were a pleasure showing you up for the liar you are. Lee Anderson, out. That's the third time this month I'm going to have to get that carpet cleaned. Staying with British politics, we now look north of the border to Nicola Sturgeon's shock announcement this week that she will be stepping down as First Minister after more than eight years at the forefront of Scottish politics. Her resignation comes at a complicated time for the Scottish National Party, but is Sturgeon's departure truly the gift to the SNP's opponents that some pundits have been trying to paint it as this week? Tom King isn't so sure. Can you hear that, everyone? The haunting skirl of hot air being forced through a set of intolerably whiny pipes. Just listen to this prick droning on, desperately pretending this god-awful sound somehow resonates with the people of Scotland. How many times has this droning crap, this insufferable dirge, been inflicted on a people who, quite frankly, deserve so much better? Actually... Hang on, I'm not sure you can hear what I'm talking about over this bloke playing the bagpipes. Mate, would you mind? It's lovely stuff, but my listeners can't hear this recording of Douglas Ross. The SNP majority was not inevitable. And while it was a total finish, we delivered (sighs) on that promise. See... There he is, the the most grating sound in Scotland. And with the sudden resignation of Nicola Sturgeon, he's been particularly insufferable this week. Right, that's quite enough of that. Now, this isn't the first time that Ross has been confronted with the leader of a major political party quitting during his tenure. True to form, seeing an opportunity to boost his own profile, he's behaved with his now trademark level of class. Fortunately for Ross, this time the person quitting hasn't done so in complete disgrace and isn't a Tory, so he hasn't had to make a prat of himself desperately flip-flopping over whether he supports them or not. Instead, it's been gloat city for Ross and plenty of others like him as the curtain comes down on the end of an era for both the SNP and for Scottish politics as a whole. There had been a few rumblings that Nicola Sturgeon's resignation might be on the cards in some corners of the press, but nevertheless, this week's announcement came as a major shock. Just weeks after insisting she had plenty left in the tank, it's now turned out that Sturgeon was in fact running on fumes and she's stepping down as First Minister after eight long years at the top of the Caber. Her departure has drawn both tributes and plenty of that trademark right-wing gloating from all corners of the globe. Now, Lord knows that Sturgeon is not a woman without her controversies, but she is unquestionably a huge national figure who's had an enormous impact on both the world stage and on Scottish politics. And let's face it, 
If your resignation is met with one of Donald Trump's trademark meltdowns in which he labels you as a left-wing extremist, you've probably done at least a few things right in your career. In the end, it seems it was a general sense of exhaustion with the brutal churn of modern politics that did it for the First Minister, coupled with the desire to allow her party to choose its own path, plotting the now much more complicated route towards Scottish independence. Defeat in the courts over the SNP's plan for another referendum and the ongoing spat with Westminster over the Gender Reform Bill have seen Sturgeon's approval ratings dip to record lows recently. But it's worth pointing out that she still stands head and shoulders above most other British politicians in that regard. Only being hated by half of the electorate is a bar that would still be out of reach for Rishi Sunak even if he wasn't five feet tall. Regardless of her comparative popularity, though, eight years is a long time in politics. And as Sturgeon herself observed in her resignation speech, her time in the public eye means the Scottish public's opinions of her as an individual have now calcified. And that makes it harder and harder for Sturgeon's public persona to win wavering voters over to the SNP. And that's clearly a concern at a time when her party is fighting bitter constitutional battles with Westminster. The calculation is clearly that a fresh face is needed, and it's needed in good time to make a positive impression on voters before the SNP has to fight the next election. And for the SNP's opponents, there is, of course, another reason for the gloating over Sturgeon's departure. For Labour and the Conservatives, the loss of such a pivotal figure in the Scottish Nationalists looks like a massive opportunity. Sturgeon has been absolutely key to several of her party's landslide electoral victories and the loss of her particular cult of personality leaves them without an immediate successor with anything even remotely approaching her level of star power. Now, while politicians in Holyrood aren't facing another election until 2026, Sturgeon's presence looms over the SNP as a whole, and the loss of her as the linchpin of the party will inevitably affect what happens to their Westminster cohort in the next general election. Any gains Keir Starmer can make in Scotland for the Labour Party could be pivotal in overturning a huge Conservative majority at Westminster. And for the Tories, well... Clinging on for dear life to any MP's seat is right now the only priority any of them have truly got. The question is, of course, whether or not Sturgeon stepping down now is the right call for the SNP's fortunes in the long run. There's a lot of victorious crowing going on right now from her opponents, whether they happen to be Douglas Ross or any number of the culture war pundits and anti-trans activists who are so fiercely opposed to the gender reform bill. Crowing, of course, that has only been matched in intensity by their total and deafening silence following the brutal murder of Brianna Jai. Clearly, Sturgeon's political opponents sense real opportunity in her departure. And what they should remember, however, is that for all of her flaws and failures, Sturgeon has proven one thing over the last eight years. She's outlasted five prime ministers and has always been a much more astute political operator than any of them have given her credit for. And really, given the choice between her and Rishi Sunak right now, 
Which one of them do you think is more likely to know exactly what they're doing? I'm Tom King, and thanks to the train strikes, I've walked 500 miles to Scotland for this piece, reporting for IC News. Thanks, mate. You carry on. To close the show tonight, we're going international and looking at the ongoing drama in the skies that's been unfolding across America. In recent weeks, Joe Biden's administration have shot down four unidentified flying objects in either American or Canadian airspace, including the 200-foot-tall suspected Chinese spy balloon that started all the drama a couple of weeks ago. Online speculation over just what's been happening in the skies has been feverish for days now, and nobody loves baseless speculation more than our next correspondent. Joining us on the line today to discuss the spate of balloon encounters across North America, it's our resident conspiracy theorist, Danny Sutcliffe. Hey pal, you're going to have to speak up, it's windy as shit. This has been my most challenging undercover assignment yet. Where the hell are you? I'm somewhere above Alaska, Sam. And let me tell you, it's cold enough to freeze the balls of a brass monkey up here. But it had to be done. There's no way the Illuminati are getting away with this. I had to see it for myself. See what, Danny? The big picture, Sam. The Great Reset. I couldn't just let this slide. I've ascended to the heavens to poke a thumb into the eyes of the self-appointed gods fucking down on all of us. Oh, for fuck's sake, what have you done now? As always, Sam, I've committed! I had to buy out the entire stock of trolls in balloons and party supplies to do it, but I'm here now, and I'd do it all again in an heartbeat. Have you seen Up, Sam? It's a horrifying story of an old pervert that goes mad and turns into a nonce after his wife dies. He kidnaps a Korean Cub Scout and flies him to a private island. It's all a bit epstein it. Jesus Christ, Danny. Not every pop culture reference is a secretive nod to billionaire paedophilia, you know. Sometimes kids' films are just kids' films. I'm just saying, Sam, if it happens, Carl Fredrickson didn't kill himself. Can you just get to the point, please, you rambling lunatic? The point, Sam, is that I'm on top of the world! Or might have been pro-paedophile Illuminati propaganda. It definitely wasn't. But it did give me a few ideas about aviation which is why I've spent the last few days slowly drifting across the Atlantic underneath a 200-foot-tall collection of helium balloons. I'm so high up, it almost looks like the world is curved, which, of course, it isn't. Is there any conspiracy theory you haven't entirely fallen for? You're just blind to the truth, Sam. Not like me. My third eye has been thoroughly opened by Joe Rogan and DMT. And now I can see through the Matrix. Ha! Nice try, big government and your drone spies. I know birds aren't real. Danny, this is all very fascinating, but I fail to see how this is actually journalism. You're meant to be reporting on these balloon incidents, not just tripping your balls off on an airborne holiday. Fucking hell, mate, you're no fun. Maybe you should try combining MDMA and severe altitude sickness. It'll probably loosen you up a bit. I just want you to do your job, Danny. This is my job, Sam. I'm undercover as a Chinese spy device, and I'm ruthlessly probing America's air defences and UFO programme. 
This is Pulitzer level stuff. Or at least it would be if trolls in balloons and party supplies had a regular stocking when I visited. It was mostly Endu stuff. I'm not gonna lie, pal. I'm currently floating under a canopy of several thousand inflatable cocks. <laughs> That's what she said. Do you have anything to report? Of course I do, Sam. I've been sampling the chemtrails left behind by George Soros's secret fleet of mind control jets. And when I get back to my own laboratory, I'm going to crack this whole conspiracy wide open. Roswell, the New World Order, the Bilderberg Group, all of it's going to come crashing down. And I'll be celebrated as the greatest undercover journalist of all time. Just you wait and see. And how do you plan on getting down, exactly? Fucking Elsa, I'm not an idiot. I've got a parachute. Well, how silly of me to underestimate you. What's that sound? Oh, fucking hell. It's the deep state. They're on to me. Unlicensed craft, you are flying over U.S. airspace. Identify yourself immediately, or we will be forced to shoot you down. Shit. I've got to preserve me cover, Sam. You're not gonna like this, big. Why am I not going to like... Oh, Danny, no. You are not doing the voice. I've got to do the voice, Sam. No, you haven't, Danny. It's not acceptable anymore, in comedy or anywhere else. Either I do the voice, or they shoot me down, Sam. Identify yourself immediately, or we will open fire. Oh, fucking hell, Sam. I've got to. No, Danny, you can't. I won't do the eyes. I'm not an idiot. Identify yourself. This is your final warning. Oh, Sam, I've got to. It's me only hope. Five. No, Danny, don't. Four. Shit. Shit, 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 shit. Three. I am not getting cancelled just because you can't help yourself. Two. I don't want to die, Sam. One. Oh, you dare, Danny. Oh, hello. Sorry for disturbing you. I'm just innocent Chinese weather balloon. No need for overreaction. I'm very sorry. Promise. Oh, you asshole! Did it work? Ground control, this is Tango 4 Delta. Target is a racist prick flying under a canopy of penis-themed balloons. Please advise. Fucking hell, you can't say anything anymore! Received, ground control. Target is hot, arming Sidewinder missiles now. Well, it serves you right, Danny. Well, it's PC gone mad if you ask me, Sam. Fuck this! I'm Danny Sutcliffe, and I'm bailing out now before the American military shoots me in the cocks. Reporting for IC News. As Danny starts hurtling back towards his life on Earth, you, dear listener, must now return to your own, for his report marks the end of our broadcast. We'll be back, as always, with a new episode at 8am next Sunday. But until then, we leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. S-Club 7 are to reform for a 25th anniversary tour, as millennials seek to relive long-forgotten classics from their childhood, like tragedy, better best forgotten, and the dream of one day owning their own home. During medical trials, a new contraceptive treatment for men is shown to immobilise sperm in mice, but to be honest, I think I'd struggle to fuck a mouse in the first place. The Queen Consort Camilla tests positive for Covid. 
in the first confirmed case of the virus jumping species to horses. And finally, a German ballet director is sacked for smearing a critic's face with dog feces in an act that's ironically enough known in fetish circles as a brown swan. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you and goodbye. Hello again. It's me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind our bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger me and if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar.